This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. You've heard of us uh, talking on the show from time to time about the need to develop an entrepreneurial mindset amongst our children to keep that going for future generations. Yawa Hansen Kwao is trying to do just that for young women in Ghana. She is the founder of the Leading Ladies Network, which looks to guide them, nurture their goals, and support women-led business in various portions of Africa. Yawa, nice to meet you. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank Thank, you for having me. Thank you. Uh, This is an area that obviously is talked about, I think, in almost every country around the globe right now, the focus on women-led business and giving young women kind of a path, kind of a goal. Was that was that kind of the framework behind uh, Leading Ladies Network when you started it? Well, when I started Leading Ladies Network in 2009, the vision was really to help uh, fill Africa's future leadership pipeline. And my inspiration for that was, uh, you know, partly from my own personal story. I ran for student government when I was in university, became the first female student government president on my campus. But it turned out this was the first time in the history of the country that a woman had been elected president of a university-level student government system. And that's what really shifted my focus from women's health, because I was at the time very you know, active in HIV-AIDS peer education, to women's leadership. Right. And um, you know, I really wanted to, to establish an organization that would help uh, women become visible leaders, particularly right. in the fields of business and politics. Well, and, and you think about politics, and I was looking on a website yesterday, and you know, in terms of leaders of countries, there's probably, I think, about 40, maybe 45 or so female leaders of countries, which obviously it's it's a, a good number. It will hopefully be a great number as you increase over the next you know several decades. In terms of giving young women that idea, that 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 person to look forward, uh, polit- political leaders are great, but I think business leaders are almost even more important. Because of the goals that people want to have, it's more realistic to first think about business success than it is about political success. Absolutely. I think they're both equally important. But when you can have visible, uh, you know, women who are visible, who are entrepreneurs, who are making money, uh, having access to financial resources means that they can be involved at a more, you know, tangible level in their communities as well. And the real work of establishing women as leaders starts when women are girls, which is why our organization is really focused on introducing uh, young girls, particularly in the school system, to the entrepreneurial pathway. Um, Part of that involves company visits and getting women entrepreneurs and business people to come serve as mentors. But part of that is actually, you know, using programs like the Junior Achievement Program um, and content from providers such as that and, and, you know, doing training, particularly because there are so many young women who are unable to continue to hire education. So giving them right. employable skills or giving them skills to enable them to start their own business becomes a critical um, solution to making sure that they become useful in their communities. How strong is the the push on entrepreneurship in Ghana and in that portion of Africa right now? We talked on this show, and we see it here at the University of Pennsylvania, the growth of, of 
kids going to college here that want to be entrepreneurs. They have a great idea. They want to see it succeed. They aren't necessarily taking the path of, okay, I want to go work on Wall Street. Or, you know, I want to go work for a Fortune 500 company. How strong is that path in, in, in Ghana right now? I think that there is a strong push towards entrepreneurship, part, partly because there's such a high unemployment rate. There's so okay. many people chasing jobs that are just non-existent at the moment. Um, and so out of necessity, people are forced to look at an entrepreneurial pathway for their careers. Right. I think that there's been a lot of um, romanticization of also entrepreneurs. Sure. absolutely. Uh, yes. There's there's a sense <laughs> that, you know, um, I, I will also start in my garage and I will be the next Zuckerberg as well. Yeah, I was going to say um, Steve Jobs, but yes, same <laughs> idea, exactly. So 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 there's there's a lot of um, you know factors that are uh, making people inclined to to take the entrepreneurial path. And I think for women, you know, partly because of the social burden of childcare and and um, you know, they get married, they have children, a lot of the responsibility for for their homes falls on them. So right. it's actually an easier thing to manage uh, alongside their families as opposed to the structured world of work where they need to be in a certain place at a specific time. Taking yeah. the entrepreneurial pathway you know, provides flexibility that a lot of women look for. We're talking with Yawa Hansen Kwao, excuse me, who is the founder of the Leading Ladies Network. She is one of our Eisenhower fellows who is uh, joining us here today uh, on Knowledge at Wharton. Uh, there's no question that having these ideas young is a great way to kind of stir and stimulate the mind. That being said, if you're talking about getting this process started young, are the schools acceptive of this? Because I think at times schools think about the traditional focus on what education has to be, and they don't necessarily think, you know, what is this person going to be after they get out of high school or after they graduate college? They're thinking about, okay, you need to know your math, you need to know your, you know, your writing and, you know, those skills. So are they are they acceptive of kind of adding this to the mix of education? I think it's been a mixed bag of reactions. Um, I think most uh, private institutions understand the usefulness of, of programming such as ours. And I think public institutions are a bit more set in their ways. Right. However, we've been on a journey. And I think that uh, increasingly institutions, both public and private, are waking up to the fact that this is smart. It makes sense. Yeah. And and if we're able to provide alternative pathways to ensure that everyone is productively engaged after they graduate from our institutions, that yeah. I, that's actually a smart thing to do. So we're finding that, you know, both public and private institutions are waking up. How many young women have come through the, the doors of, of Leading Ladies Network over a this seven years or eight years? So we have been very privileged to have been part of so many um success stories. Uh, we have a clubs program that runs in junior high, high school and university. Right. And our numbers for that are just under 900. So we're almost at the thousand uh, young girls mark uh, for that program. We also do programming for women who are in the world of work. And yeah. so we have uh, custom uh, workshops and, and, and courses that we offer. And our programming with that is much higher. So we have mm -hmm. just under 1,200 women who've graduated through some of our programming for that. We have an mm -hmm. annual program, the Standout Women's Leadership Program, which is for um, executives as well, who are transitioning from early stage management into directorship, 
rules. And um, that is our newest community. So we have right. 93 women who are in that community. And, and what impact, I mean, in terms of the, the, the space of, of where you are in Ghana, how far of a reach do you have in that region of, of the continent? So Ghana is in West Africa, and to date we've been able to uh, recruit and work in five countries. So Ghana, we've uh, done work in Nigeria, Rwanda, we've done work in Uganda, South Sudan, right. um, and South Africa. We're really excited about that. And one of the things that we're proud of as well is that, you know, the benefit overall for having more women as leaders is not just that they'll be there as physical reminders that they're there. Right. but that they can leverage their leadership for the good of others. And one of the things that we encourage and even demand is that once women, you know, go through the programming and get the skill set, that they leverage their leadership for the good of others. And we're right. seeing young girls and, and older women also involved in changing their communities because yeah. we are we are really focused on making sure that we take this sense of entitlement um, that oftentimes exists and transform that into a sense of responsibility for the good of the community that they find themselves in. So you're seeing the investment back in the communities once they go through this program, understanding that it's almost the philosophy of you have to leave it better than what you know when it was when you started. Absolutely. And it's not something we even have to force. I think right. a lot of these right. women receive training and, and a light gets switched on and the immediate question they ask themselves is who else who else needs this? Right, right. Who else may I pass it on right. to? And I think that that's one of the benefits of inspiring or motivating or empowering women that they immediately um, you know think of who else needs this and how can we make sure that we, we pay it forward. You talked about uh, uh, strong female leaders when, when we started this discussion. Uh, who were the female leaders that you looked up to as you were growing up? Because it was, uh, you know, it was a little bit different, you know, even as little as 10 years ago. Absolutely. I, I, I had the formative years of my life here in the U.S. We were political okay. refugees for a while. And uh, I remember, I mean, admiring Hillary Clinton, who is now running for president of the United States. I have, I have admired my mother. I've learned so much from her and, yeah. and from strong teachers and, and, and um, you know, relatives that I've had. Um, I find inspiration in different places and from different people. But I have also found a lot of inspiration from men. Uh, my father mm. was a strong influence in my life. And I think that you know, one of the things that I, I hope that in the in the in in the work towards empowering women, we do a better job of is involving men and, and, and you know, roping them in as allies mm -hmm. in this journey, because particularly if you're going to be the first anything as a woman, you're probably your predecessor will probably probably be a man. And so the role of men in mentoring women, you know, for corporate success or for business success can, yeah. cannot also be overlooked. I, I guess then if, if you went back maybe 20 or 30 years, that that partnership between men and women really wasn't there. I mean, first of all, the opportunities for women weren't as great, you know, 30 years ago as they are as they are right now. So is that is that bridge between men and women better in your part of the world where you are right now compared to what it was, say, you know, when you were a young girl? I think it's improving. I yeah. think that the world seems to be waking up to the importance of having women involved in governance, in business, in politics. But I do think there's still a long way to go. Um, there's uh, a very pervasive and subconscious belief that women cannot or should not lead. Right. I, for instance, I do not know a woman my age who hasn't experienced sexual harassment sure. in her place of employment, for instance. Right. And so there 
is, you know, we've made a lot of uh, gains, but there still is a long way to go. And I do think that the more um, collaborative we are between gender lines, the the better it will be. Is the ultimate success story for you having potentially somebody down the road maybe come through Leading Ladies Network, who ends up being the CEO of a company, whether it be in Ghana or or someplace else around the world, or or become president. I was just going to say that you could have rolled the words out of my absolutely, mouth. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And you know, as it relates to my Eisenhower Fellowship, I mean, one of the things that I'm very interested in is learning from the experiences of other women's organizations here. Yeah. Um, there's an adjunct professor here at the university who I'll be meeting as well, who runs um, an, an organization that prepares women for political leadership. Yeah. Um, our goal is really to become a pan-African institution. Right. for women's leadership development. And we want to be able to fill Africa's future leadership pipeline and to strengthen the capacity of existing women leaders uh, with the hope that they will not only improve their own circumstances, but improve the circumstances of other people. And, and I would think that the, the goal uh, is also to develop skills to be a leader where you could be the leader of a company or be the leader of a country or province or, you know, whatever it be and have those skills being similar and not having them have to be different because as we've learned here in the United States, politics and business sometimes don't mesh very well. Absolutely. And then also to not negate the leadership that women have innately. I've always said that if you can make your two kids stop quarreling, that's the same skill set, basically, <laughs> that you need to broker world peace. I'm still trying to figure that out with my three kids. So, <laughs> so you know, it's, it's also, you know, not so much about us. Uh, making women leaders, but also helping to unearth the leadership potential that they already possess and helping young girls understand that if yeah. they're, um, you know, responsible for their younger siblings, that that's leadership too. That leadership is not so much about the stage, about being public, but about being influential. And all of us yeah. have influence. And how do you leverage that influence, um, you know, for yourself and for others? It is is your situation now with, the, with your Eisenhower Fellowship similar to what Teddy just said uh, a little while ago in that you're here and you have an opportunity to kind of gain some perspective, but also gain contacts and, and, and people that could be able to be very important people in terms of pushing this idea forward. Uh, when you go back to Ghana. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the fellows are some of the most brilliant and purpose-driven people I've ever met in my life. Sure. And in the few, you know, short days that we've been together, just the sharpening of some of the ideas that I've had coming in. Um, and then also just the number who've raised their hand and said, I will help you bring this into my country yeah. has been encouraging as well. So I, I, I definitely feel like this is definitely, um, you know, going to be beneficial. You hope that Leading Ladies Network can expand even more throughout the entire continent of Africa and take I, it to other continents as I well. I would at some love point. to see yeah. our operation go into the developing world, into countries uh, like India yeah. um, and other parts of you know Asia as well. Um, but for the next 10 years, our focus really is Africa. <laughs> right. Nice meeting you. Thank you very much. Pleasure to meet you as well. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.